over again. Hey, welcome America. Welcome sober world, the sober family members, whether you're sober or curious, you are cutting back on your intake or you have kissed alcohol goodbye for good. Welcome. My name is Dana. I kissed alcohol goodbye 70 some days ago, and I am excited to host episode number 11, uh, which is going to be part two of Ladies Roundtable on Sobriety. Part one, we had some wonderful Gen X ladies on, and tonight we're going to have some millennial ladies. Out. We're going to talk about blackout culture, which I did not know was a thing. I mean, I've had a handful of blackouts in my day, uh, but I didn't know it was kind of like a thing. It's like it's like one of the cool things that the cool kids are doing these days, the young people. So um, before I yak too much, I just want to say welcome, everyone. Thank you. Please subscribe to the podcast uh, on your favorite listening platform. Rate and review it. Even if you give me a crappy review, just review it and give some comments. I would appreciate the love. Share it with your family and friends. I always forget to say this crap at the end, so I said it at the beginning. All right. I'm going to stop yakking, and I would like to start with the newcomer, Anna who just turned 30 and she's up I in Beantown. Anna, welcome. Thank you so much for jumping in with us. Um, we're gonna go to you first to just tell us a little bit about yourself and um, your sober journey. And uh, then we'll bounce on to Austin. Sounds good. Thank you for having me on, Dana. Uh, my name is Anna Majors. Like Dana was saying, I'm in Boston right now. Originally, I'm from Seoul, South Korea. And I got married here. I'll be living here for a little bit. So if you're in the area, hit me up. I'd love to grab coffee or anything non-alcoholic. Um, <laughs> but I've been sober for today's my 41st day, 980 hours. So I'm about to hit that thousand hour mark. Yeah. Um, yes. And uh, for work, I'm in personal finance. I've been doing that for about six years. That's also one of my big passions as well as this new passion of mine, which is recovering loudly. Yes, that's, wow, Anna, Anna prepared this. Like she came prepared. She was like, I'm gonna be short, sweet and to the point. She like, she hit it all right there. It's, if it were me, I'd be like, well, it all started back in 1980. Actually, started a few years before that when Mike met Lois and then they square danced and they fell in love. <laughs> Don't worry, Dana, it's going to happen. It's, it's gonna all happen. good. That's right. That's right. No, Anna, this is perfect. Thank you so much for, for joining in. And we'll pitch it down now. It's it's down south in uh, southwest Florida. So she is on the southern part of your picture, and she's sporting her fantabulous ears. Austin, uh, for folks who did not see you on episode number seven, please tell us a little bit about yourself and your relationship with alcohol. So I have, I just checked and I just forgot. I think I have 57 days sober today. Yeah. Um, right? Woo, it's almost two months. But um, yeah, about 57 days today. And I have been trying to get clean and sober for a really long time with a lot of bumps and bruises and research and development. But, you know, uh, made it past that. And here we are. I have a blog. I do all kinds of stuff um, for recovery purposes. And yeah, I'm down in Southwest Florida. If anybody's watching from there, doubt it, because everybody down here is not giving up their alcohol. <laughs> you can't you can't pry it out of their cold dead hands. But um, yeah, that's that's really it. I awesome. I'm passionate about recovery, and now I do this. <laughs> well, I am right on the cusp of being 
a, um, a being a millennial. I'm sort of a millennial. I'm sort of a Gen Xer. And, um, you know, I, again, I, I drank to the point of blacking out a few times, uh, including my 21st birthday, which was like an awesome thing that at the time we were like, haha, this is great. Um, sorry for my audio being crap. Apparently my internet is being garbage as usual. So this is kind of how it goes here. Uh, anyway, so tell me uh, for you ladies, since my audio is crap, you, uh, Anna, once you jump in first, tell me about blackout culture. Like what define it for those of us who are age 40 and over or 42, whatever the break, the cutoff is. Tell us what, you know, a blackout culture is or, or, or why are young people those young whippersnappers why are they interested in uh in blacking out these days uh sure so uh just to mention i am a millennial i was born in 1992 um and what i'm gonna say is all based off of my experience um but it's hard for me to say that there's like a blackout culture but there's definitely like this normalization of blacking out right so let's say for example we were drinking orange juice and you lost two hours of your memory that would freak out a lot of people mm -hmm. um, but then imagine if you know your friend was like oh yeah i had orange juice and the same thing happened to me and then you go watch tv and then you see it happen there and then you just realize more and more like oh okay so this happens to everyone so with society and, you know, especially during college years with everyone around you, just having experienced that blackout, it's become so normalized that if you really think about the concept of blacking out, like losing not only your memory, but you're basically acting like a per like you're talking, you're walking, you're doing whatever you're doing. But the fact that you don't remember any of that is extremely frightening. Right. And I say that now because I have been alcohol free for 40 something days. Um, and but I, I realize that I'm still a little bit brainwashed from that. Like it's still so normalized. Like a couple weeks ago, I went to a birthday party. I met a girl. She wasn't drinking either. So obviously I like ran up to her and I was like, oh, are you not drinking either? <laughs> Trying to make friends. And she mentioned uh, I got to know her and she's just been a non drinker her whole life. And she was like, yeah, I've never been hungover before. And I just looked at her like what and then she's like and i was like oh my gosh that's great like you don't you don't want to go there and she's like yeah i've never blacked out before either and i just stood there i was like what is this unicorn standing in front of me and that made me realize like how normalized has the blackout you know culture become that you know somebody who should have you know none of us should be experiencing blackouts is like the the minority right so I blame society. I don't necessarily blame like, you know, my peers who pressured me to drink. I'm sure I for sure pressured others to drink too, but I think it's just so common now that people have been like, oh yeah, that, that happens, it's fine. But it's not, just because it happens to everyone doesn't make it okay. It's not fine. <laughs> yeah, go into it, just pick up where she left off, Austin. Teach us about it. Yeah, so basically, like, I've been in and out. Of, so I'm 24. I was born in 97. So I'm literally, like, I'm right on the millennial Gen Z um, cusp there. So I see it a lot in the millennial, like, gen, uh, generation, like, the people my age and older. A lot with, the like, my brother is 19. And he 
I will say that it's a little bit less prevalent for them. Um, Cause me and my brother are very like, he's really honest with me. So, but like, I noticed that like, like, it's not okay. Like I've been in college since I was 17 and in and out of, you know, school and stuff. And so I have a lot of experience with college parties and high school parties, all that stuff. And it's like, People literally, my, myself included, like, I was not going to go out unless I was going to get shit-faced. Like, I'm not going out. <laughs> like, if there's, you know, oh, how much alcohol do they have? Like, it's always a, like, oh, will we have to stop and get more kind of thing, you know? Because you don't want to run out when you're at that point. And the thing with blacking out, too, is, like, I like I was never the person that could say no. But, you know, I was always the person that's, like, everyone else is, like, nah, nah, we're done. I'm, like, no, keep going, you know, bad influence. Like, it was awful. But – and people just – it's so normalized. Like, definitely, like, oh, like, the people that have, like – like Anna was saying, the people that have never blacked out is, like, are you okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> are, like, what happened to you, you know? So, like – that's it's just it's wild to me that people like that there's like people that never had a relationship with alcohol really uh to that degree or not like people that oh yeah i didn't drink till i was 21 i'm like what it's crazy what do you mean your aunt aunts and uncles didn't give you beer at family events when you were like 12 what are you what are you talking about yeah. you know that's what I say, you know, Addie and I went to a party school of uh, university, which actually is a really great academic school, but it has a reputation as a party school because mm -hmm. it is. And uh, she's one of the unicorns that didn't drink there. So uh, I'm, I'm so thankful for people that don't, that didn't. How do you think that sort of thing feeds into older generations' perceptions of millennials? Because talk to me about being a millennial oh. woman anyway, and the pressures that come along with, I mean, since you're 24 and, uh, you know, Anna, you're 30, and you both live under intense pressures, I know. So tell me about that and how does alcohol kind of tie into that? Austin, you go first on this one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... Honestly, because we already get so much like, oh, those entitled millennials, oh, blah, blah, blah. We, always, we already get so much of that. And then yeah. with this whole blackout thing and like how we're always trying to kind of escape the problems that we had no hand in causing, you know what I mean? Like we, we it, it, it's like an escape, even though it tends to make things worse. But it's like we don't really know any other way. Like we weren't taught another way to deal with things because we see the older generations doing mm -hmm. like drinking too. But you know, like even that we had nothing to do with all of this craziness that's going on right now because we were still really young. So we've been in a state of pure chaos this entire time. So what other choice do we have? How are we mm. entitled? Because we actually have to drink in order to get our heads on straight mm. quotes because that's not what it does. Like we always get judged for everything. So the whole blackout like oh they're just alcoholics blah blah, blah all this stuff like it, it's like water off a duck's back to me because like we are not the ones that created credit scores and we are not the one that like don't even talk to me about drinking too much please that's just my take on it but okay no that's really good so anna what <laughs> would you anna what would you add to that i mean i don't want to start like a generation war <laughs> i do uh, Shit. No, <laughs> no not at all not at all but I mean, like, I think every generation has their own, you know, type of pressure where like we're we're considered lazy, we don't work hard. And yeah, that's because we're not living in a place where you can graduate college and like pay for your 
tuition, buy a house, afford children at by the age of 25. You know, there's, part. there's so much pressure and like COVID. What the hell is that? <laughs> all of us experienced that together. Um, but I, I, I like strongly agree with what, what Austin is saying. I think, you know, maybe we, um, we weren't trying to black out. You know, I don't think anyone really tries to black out, but we do want to forget. We want okay. to forget about that pressure of stress, whether that's in school, whether that's work, whether that's, you know, I'm 30, I don't have kids yet, right? If other generations see, the older generation sees that and like, you're running out of time. And I'm like, but I feel like I'm just getting started. Like I can't, right. I'm not ready to have kids yet, you know? So there's just so much pressure. And, you know, for those of you who, who, who drink, I'm the same way as Austin. If there's, let's say, a little bit of alcohol left in a bottle, I won't drink it because I know that's not enough to get me messed up. You know, I, I just won't touch it. There's not enough for me to get to a level where I want to be, which I feel like I was looking for that like oblivion. I wanted to be drunk enough where I could become unconscious, not fall asleep. Because, you know, when you're you get that monkey mind, you know, in bed, just thinking about everything that's going on and all that stress like i do i wanted to drink enough where i just pass out right excuse me you i'm drinking so, kombucha sorry <laughs> that's all right i'm all free cheers by the way i've got my like i bought one of those things what do you call them carbonate yeah there you go Lacroix. that's my i have the same flavor LaCroix. this might be i awesome. call it la cardboard because i think it tastes terrible but hey hey dude <laughs> To each her own. It's all good. So, yeah, I mean, you come into adulthood, uh, you know, saddled with debt and with all these expectations and uh, a generation that taught you how to drink, right? And, you know, and then somehow you're uh, expected to be super women who are supposed to pay all your bills and, you know, have money for, have a credit score that allows you to have enough uh, collateral to buy a, a house, you know, to start a family and be a mom and be able to have a job and do all these things. Right. And so, um, tell me about how, just talk to me a little bit more about that again for the guys. Cause remember there are going to be guys and there are guys, uh, that are listening in who are boyfriends, husbands, or prospective boyfriends, husbands, or brothers, or, uh, you know, little brothers, big brothers, dads, who just need to understand what it's like to be a young woman in this day and age and how uh, alcohol can be that escape that Anna was talking about. So yeah. um, struggles as a woman is what I'm assuming the question is about. Um, and yes. from my personal experience, I think it's getting better living as a woman in this day and age. Um, we're getting louder as a community. We're getting, um, more and more successful. There are more female CEOs now uh, that are well known, um, which I love. And um, but it's still there. Like the struggles are still there. Um, I feel like every time I my, I work with, together with my husband, uh, we run a business together, and it's always that question of like, you know, by a lot like physically, I'm the one that has to carry a child, and I want children, right? Eventually, I want children. I'm the one that has to carry the child. That means after the child is born, not only do I need to spend time recovering my own body, but I also have to, you know, I want to spend time with the child. So it's like, but there's so much I want to do in this world, right? I'm not, I don't believe I was born to be 
just a mother. You know, I want to be a mom. I want to be an entrepreneur. There's so many things I want to do, but society expect, I feel like it still expects us to just be at home, you know, be the, the primary caregiver to the children. And it's frustrating because men still get paid more than women do generally. Um, which is why I transitioned from, I used to be a manager at a restaurant and I transitioned to working in personal finance because the compensation is transparent. It doesn't matter what your gender is, what your sexuality is, what your age is, you know, the amount of effort you put in, you get compensated for. Um, I'm going on a tangent, so I'm going to pass it on to Austin. No, no, no. (laughs) But these are all, but these are all issues that that tie in to millennial culture and if alcohol is something that saturates the culture then it then absolutely has to do with it so keep going and that's another oh, sorry let me just add one more thing that's another thing um being 30 and i've told a couple of my close friends um that i am quitting alcohol and most of them have been supportive none of them have been like judgmental or anything but there are subtle hints of that um sexist nature where um most people will they have this curious face and i know they want to ask are you pregnant mm-hmm. they want to ask mm-hmm. me so bad but they don't like now i think generally we're becoming more and more aware how creepy that question is if you don't have like a very very close relationship with that woman to ask are you pregnant like you'll find out yeah. like you when the woman is ready you'll find out if they're pregnant but another thing is when I say, no, I'm not pregnant, then I've had somebody be like, oh, but you know, it's, it's great that you're doing this because you need to be healthy in order to have a baby or get pregnant. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) I'm not doing this for my own body. I'm doing it for my future child. Like, no, (laughs) I'm a human being. I want to add on to what Anna was saying about like the whole, are you pregnant thing? So I don't plan on having children ever. I'm good. I'm 24 and everyone's like, but you're so young, you'll change your mind, all this stuff. I've known since I was six that I didn't want children and that I just don't really like them. I don't really like being around them. They're loud and they're sticky. I don't like either of those things. Not saying that I don't like children. I do. It's fine. But um, whatever. No. <laughs> but um, yeah, like it's yeah, I'm doing this for myself and, like, to make myself and other people around me better people in general. Like, I could give less of a shit that I'm getting old. Like, not old, but that I'm, you know, oh, my mom had me and I was, like, three three years old and she was 24. My grandma had almost two kids at 24. You know, like, I'm sitting here 24, 20, I'm about to be 25 next month. I don't want kids. I'm not stopping drinking because I want a kid. I'm not stopping drinking because I, I want to settle my life down. I'm stopping drinking so that I can better my life in a way that doesn't have to do with any family, anything. I don't want to get married. I don't want to have kids. None of that matters to me. So it's like, I hate when people think, yeah, oh, you quit drinking. You must be like, oh, is it your time now? Like, bitch, no, I'm actually saving to buy a tiny house that I can friggin' pick up on the back of a truck and drive with like I do not care about them kids I'm sorry <laughs> I'm no <laughs> but either way like I, I just hate that is something that people just assume it, it like and that is so annoying as a woman like it makes me want to strangle them <laughs> like stop asking me personal questions about my reproductive whatever 
it's none yeah, of your business. Women, it's once gross. Again, <laughs> yeah. And let me jump in while my audio, I think, is good because I've got green bars. We did have a question from the chat that I um, uh, go to. Arlie had asked, uh, besides escapism, in what other ways did alcohol serve you? Did it give you confidence or social acceptance? Was any of your alcohol misuse due to the way alcohol is marketed to millennials? And that's a fantastic question, as usual, from Arlie. Thank you. Amazing. Um, Anna, did you want to say something? I can, yeah, I can jump in. For me mm -hmm. personally, how did alcohol, how did I think alcohol was serving me? Um, so I started drinking when I was 14 and I used to be like a chubby kid growing up and around 14 is when I lost a lot of weight and I started getting noticed by a couple boys. Um, but I was so, I was socially very awkward. I was, I still have social anxiety, um, but for me that when I, when I first drank, it gave me, it felt liberating because I was like, oh my gosh, I can talk to people. Oh my gosh. Like people don't think I'm awkward anymore. I can actually hold a conversation. I'm having fun. So it gave me this misconception that I could socialize only when I was drinking. Right. And now that I've been sober for, you know, 40 something days, I realized I wasn't, necessarily better at socializing when I was drinking. It's just that the other person was also under the influence. So we were just kind of like having a very uh, like empty conversation, yes. but we're both like kind of like high on alcohol. So it's like we're, we think we're having fun. Um, so social acceptance was a huge thing for me. And because I felt so confident on alcohol that literally led all the way up to after I graduated college at my first job. And I remember going to a, a social event. I followed my boss and I was literally just supposed to be like his shadow there. Uh, I followed my boss to a networking event at a very prestigious university. And somebody was asking me questions. And I remember I had, I was drinking a little bit of champagne and I had my very first panic attack. And it freaked me out to the point where I had to excuse myself to the bathroom and then calm myself down. Then I came back out and I just started pounding alcohol because I thought that was a solution. I didn't know any better how to kind of manage that anxiety. And, you know, people who have panic attacks know how terrifying it is, the first one. Um, so yeah, for me, it was being socially accepted. And it's like, the, for us, it's marketed as like the popular kids do it. Right, the cool kids do it. If you want to be part of the cool crew, you have to drink. I absolutely agree. So basically, like um, when I was dancing, I literally had to get wasted just to interact with people because I was I'm awkward. I'm socially awkward as hell in person. Like I am I do not do well with social interaction. I never have. Um, so I would say what other ways alcohol that I felt alcohol served me was definitely socializing. Um, it definitely helped me be a nicer person, I guess you could say. Um, it's made me more out outgoing, even though I totally made a fool of myself every single time that I drank, even saying I, I need to be normal tonight. I would have three, four shots and then I'm off to the races being an asshole. So <laughs> it's like what, you know, and then, my alcohol is, I'm so sorry. I had kombucha. So if you can hear me like gurgling, I'm sorry. I, I genuinely, <laughs> my bad. But um, 
like my like the way that alcohol is marketed towards millennials with these little bubbly pop and white claw and oh it's so it's dripping and it's so uh, uh whatever like that's one thing beef that i have with the alcohol industry and their commercials they're showing sexy skinny hot people drinking having a great time at the beach corona i'm looking at you um <laughs> Like, you know, oh, yeah, this is fancy. We're drinking rosé. Uh, I'm doing these because this is what fancy people do. The hand <laughs> thing. I don't know what fancy people do. Clearly, I am not. So, you know, they market it towards towards us with these fun little like, ooh, just pop the cap and you'll be having fun at the beach with your friends or where I'm doing whatever. And it's like, but why don't you use drug people in your adverts? Are you embarrassed of us? You know what I mean? Because we don't look like that when we're drinking, especially down here in Florida. We do not look fancy. We look insane. Like, if you go down to Fort Myers Beach during spring break, you will experience things that you've never experienced. Use that in your commercial, Corona. For real. Because they... they, I can say so much about this. this Yeah, let's make it more like just like a Red Bull can size thing and let's... Uh, give it fruity flavors and right. let's uh, say it's organic and it's, you know, let's do all this buzzword Ugh. crap, right? It's organic it's hard seltzer. Like that makes a difference. And so, uh, yeah, baiting in everybody on these things that are supposed to be so uh, trendy and, and, oh, it's got vitamins in it and stuff because like that's going to be better for you or something. So, no hangover I, in the morning. Ooh, yeah, right. my ass, my ass. I've drank so many disgusting things marketed <laughs> towards drink this before you drink and you'll wake up with no hangover. Yeah. Right. I woke up feeling sicker if, if anything. Yes. Healthy alcohol, my ass. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> it's not a thing. Yeah. So Arlie says, wouldn't it be great to make a real alcohol commercial? Dana, can we get on it? And I'm, yeah, I'm absolutely. so I'm, down. Hey, one of my longer term <laughs> goals with this is to take on big alcohol. Right now, I'm just trying to figure out how to have audio and video that is a complete shit for <laughs> portions of my episode. So maybe like lucky number 12. <laughs> you guys are awesome for putting up with all this. Uh, and, and Liz says in the chat, by the way, she says she can definitely relate to what Anna said. She said she still wonders how she can be around people without drinking because of her social anxiety. Um, and then Arlie also said it was interesting to hear Anna say that drunk conversations were empty, that she can relate to that. And uh, it's just interesting that we need it to, to be more like ourselves. And someone who is an extrovert, I would drink in order to feel more like myself, whatever that means. And having heard both of you speak uh, on our zoom calls on our reframe app, uh, like you ladies do, I I would never guess that you're so, I would not call you socially awkward. I would call both of you inspiring. So ladies, I need um, to send you, sorry, I need to send you a copy of that. My, um, my paper that I wrote, remind me to send you a copy. Yes. Yes. I'm still waiting for that. Austin was writing a great paper about yes, like alcohol and it's accepted acceptance in society and why you know how long has it really been around and stuff and i want to know especially from anna because she's the newcomer to the show anna tell us uh, more about your story and why did you decide to end your relationship with alcohol coming out of your tw- i mean it was it ended up being just in 
like the end of your 30th year, uh, right before you turn 30. So what was it about being 29 and, and three quarters that made you say, uh, hey, this is time, like enough's enough? Because you're at, you said you're at four, uh, 50, 50 some days, right? No, 41. 41, sorry. Yeah. 41. Okay. Oh, because right, because you're now at 981 hours. You've got 19. Yes. You've got 19 hours left until yes. 1,000 hours. So, tell us more about about your journey and what what brought you to the place where you said it, this has to end. Okay. Um. So I am. Uh, I was a binge drinker, and I was also a daily drinker by the end of my towards the end of my relationship with alcohol. Um. I think. I have been questioning uh, if I have a problem for quite a few years now. And looking back, I had a problem since I started drinking. I was never a one and done type of girl. I was always, you know, like we were talking about before, I needed to get drunk if I was going to drink. Um, but it wasn't until a couple years ago where, where I started questioning my, you know, problem with alcohol. and. I think it was honestly because of the hangovers. Um, the hangovers were just getting worse and worse. And I know that comes with age, but it also comes with years and years of alcohol abuse. So that's why I started thinking about it. But I was in such, such denial that I was like, no, that's not the problem. And it got to the point uh, last year where I started therapy. My mental health was just going to shit. Uh, I was diagnosed with general anxiety disorder and depression, and it was, it's kind of funny now that I look back because my husband would kind of be like, hey, why don't you try drinking less? And I'd be like, no, no, babe, no, that's not the problem, you know? Mm -hmm. And obviously that was the problem or the majority of the problem. And so starting therapy, I didn't even tell my therapist for six months that I had a drinking problem. I didn't bring up the topic of alcohol at all because I didn't want her. I knew she would be like, you should probably stop drinking. And I didn't want to hear it. Yeah. So after battling myself for a long time, um, I got to a point where it just wasn't serving me anymore. It wasn't the, the pros, the cons outweigh the pros a long time ago, but now it was becoming more and more apparent. So then January, I downloaded the reframe app, which is where I met both of you. And even then I wanted the cutback track. I didn't want to quit. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> that so was impossible. Same. Um, I couldn't cut back the number of drinks per night. So I cut back the number of days I drank. And then that didn't work. So then I was like, I think it was just one random day I was hungover. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try 30 days. I'm just going to try 30 days. And by the second or first, probably the first week, of not drinking, I was like, oh my God, I think I'm gonna do this forever. <laughs> and that's when I switched over. And I honestly, a lot of people say this who have been uh, sober, but there's, I, I probably regret like 99% of the days I drink and I haven't regretted a single day of not drinking. I'm so glad that you came on this episode because uh, as we've heard you share uh, in the Zoom calls, I'm like, man, more people need to hear this young lady's story. Um, Arlie asked another wonderful question. She says, have either of you felt ostracized from your peers since coming out sober? I want to say, because I was a dancer, as I will mention, 
over and over and over again on every podcast that I'm ever in because it's important to my story. I was a dancer and not drinking as a stripper is like, what are you doing? Um, so yeah, like I didn't feel ostracized by the girls. So I, I can't say maybe my peers, but like the customers, like I would order an alcohol free beer or I would order just like a soda or something. And they'd be like, let me taste that. Or you're not drinking. Like we're on some weird creep shit, but, um, yeah. It was just, you know, so I never really had a problem with my peers at all. Like, besides the fact that I, excuse me, I'm disgusting. It's besides the fact that I lost, like, the majority of my friends now, like, I haven't seen any of my friends, I wouldn't say, since I quit drinking. Like, you know, I, I, I haven't, nobody's texted me or called me. I deleted all my social media and, like, I think, like, three or four people reached out to me. So that, yeah, I guess I do kind of like, yeah, yeah, I do feel a little ostracized. <laughs> I will say that. Yeah, it's definitely hard. Like, like going from talking to these people and drinking with them and hanging out with them every single weekend or every day, basically, because my job, if I didn't want to go, I just wouldn't go. And then I would just show up another day because I was bored and wanted to drink. So, yeah, I, I definitely do feel ostracized. I have no sober friends local. I have no like the only person that stayed sober with me was when I went to the beach, my friend Joey. He just, you know, he stayed sober with me. And he was the only person that I invited because I knew he would do it. But so, yeah, actually, I feel not ostracized. I feel completely abandoned. I'll be honest. And it is really, really sad. But thinking about it, I'm not sad about that in particular because I know that I, I have the opportunity to event to make new friends and I have made friends. And, um, but I let you just ask another thing, just to add, because I was going to say that the feeling of being the fear of being ostracized keeps millennial on the drinking cycle. Absolutely. I feel like because mm -hmm. it took me a long time to really officially quit because I was like, what if my friends don't like me anymore? And then I realized those are not my real friends. If they didn't, if they haven't called to check on me or texted me, asked if I wanted to go out and eat or anything. Those aren't my friends. So, yeah, people are afraid to be ostracized by the groups that they're around, but I wouldn't call them friends. So, you know, but Anna, what about you, Anna, in your line of work, you were working in the restaurant industry and then have switched over to more of the financial industry. What, what is your experience been there with feeling ostracized among your um, family, friends, whoever, coworkers, et cetera? Yeah. I mean, I, I got, I I'm going through this journey um, in the middle of COVID or I guess towards the end. So I don't really, I haven't really seen my coworkers in a, in a while. So it's usually just my friends that have, I've kind of gotten a reaction from. And I do completely agree that the fear of being ostracized slowed down my decision to go alcohol free for sure. Um, especially because I was the type of person where everyone around me kind of knew me as like the drinker, the heavy drinker. She's a tank, you know, sometimes people called me soju queen. Soju is a Korean alcohol. Um, so I had those nicknames and I kind of, I was kind of proud of them. Um, cause I'm a pretty small girl and I was like, oh, like, you know, I can hang with the boys and I can out drink the boys, you know? Um, so for me, I knew the reaction would be shock because you know, most people probably didn't expect it, right? And 
as I opened up slowly about my journey, and I definitely started with the people I trusted the most, like my husband, who was probably the only one who knew I had a problem because he saw the before, during, and after, right? And then most of them, I think I was blessed because a lot of my friends, or at least a lot of my true friends, were relieved. Um, for example, yesterday I had a little birthday party and everyone came over and there was a, a couple minutes where they discussed what I used to be like. And it wasn't bad or anything, um, but a lot of them were talking about how they had to mentally prepare if Anna, if they were hanging out with Anna, oh, right? Wow. So it wasn't the fact that, you know, and I felt the same way. I was like, oh, I'm drinking with, the, I'm going to be going out with this person. So I'm probably going to drink a lot. So both of us were kind of mentally preparing to hang out with each other when neither of us really wanted to drink that much. So they Isn't were basically sharing. Sorry. No, sorry. Yeah. It's, I was just saying it's really interesting. Keep going. Yeah. They're basically sharing how relieved they were where, they don't have to hang out with me till four in the morning drinking. And then they knew a hundred percent. If I hang out with Anna, I will be hung over the next day. And I couldn't believe I was, I felt so guilty that I was that influence on them. Um, but it happens because drinkers hang out with other drinkers. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely a huge, you know, that you, you might be ostracized and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Um, if they ostracize you, then that is, actually the group of friends where they're not going to be helpful in your journey you know and there are i know it's it's really lonely especially in the beginning journeys of being sober like austin said i don't have any sober friends right more and more people are coming to me and being like hey actually i want to quit for a little bit too which is it feels so great mm -hmm. uh, but yeah I, I, it is a little lonely i do want to I feel like you always want to talk about it when you first go alcohol free. Oh yeah. And I, I've already talked to my friends. I've talked their ear off. So I want to like hang out with someone and just like talk about, like right now this podcast, I'm having so much fun because I wanted to talk about it for so long. We're having fun listening to you. And Liz says in the chat, and I hope my audio is not crap again, but she says she feels like that she's literally twins with you. Same exact story as you. And she thank you for sharing. She also asked, she says, uh, she had a question for Austin. Uh, Anna's married, Austin's single. So Liz asks, how do you navigate dating while sober? Uh, when do you bring it up, if at all? What's your experience been with that, uh, Austin? so far so excuse me again i am so sorry <laughs> so i and i ate like a lot of potato soup before i got out of here all too, the, so that I, i'm glad that my, your audio is better than mine but maybe you're like man why does my audio yeah. cut out when can uh, it be a little shitty please it's all good <laughs> but anyway so yeah i am single i've been single for almost two years at this point i had like i've had little flings or whatever but i decided that when i got sober i would be single for sorry i keep clicking my thing i'd be single for like the first year and so i don't really have a lot of experience with dating or even talking to men or women whatever whatever i'm feeling like that day whatever um I don't really have an experience with that yet, but I can say that when, when I would bring it up is right away, like the first date, you know what I mean? If you are talking to somebody and you plan on going out, 
I straight up would be like, I don't drink. So we can do instead of going to a bar, we can do this, this, this or this. You know what I mean? Like try to get a different activity. Like I don't want to go sit at a bar with you and get to know you for this long. Like let's go to the beach. Let's go hiking. Not hiking because I'm in Florida. We don't have no mountains. Like let's go to a nature reserve. Let's go to a park. Let's do something like that. You know, let's have a picnic. I don't want to go sit in a loud, crowded bar and listen to you talk while I'm drinking friggin' tonic water. You know what I mean? So that can be hard, but I would bring that up before we even go out on the first date. I do not drink. I do not want to do these things. And yeah, I told myself I, I would stay sober for at least the first year of my, or sober, single for the first year of my sobriety. So far, so good, because I don't talk to anybody, but... <laughs> You know? If I'm not mistaken, yeah. that's something that um, Alcoholics Anonymous recommends as part of their yes. program that you, you yes. spend at least that first year because you're you're reestablishing a new identity. And really, right. it's like, you know, I, I kissed alcohol goodbye. I, I talked about it like it's a breakup because it is. I, I've ended a, a toxic relationship and I'm trying to rediscover who I am, who am I without that other, that mm -hmm. other person. Um, and so... Uh, let's see. What were we looking for? Sorry, I got distracted by a shiny object. Oh, I was going to mention uh, just this weekend, you talk about going out to the bar um, here in Columbus, Ohio. The very first sober bar just opened. It's called the Dry Mill. I know there are some other alcohol free bars so cool. that are opening up across the country. So, um, do you have any down in Southwest Florida or up in uh, up in B Town yet? I, yeah, Anna's shaking her head. Austin's. Uh, saying no probably this is a surprise down in florida right around my area we have a kombucha brewery that does pop-ups at farmers markets and stuff um and then we have a kava bar and they have like kava and kratom and all that stuff which i am not down with kratom but that's a whole nother story um but yeah i haven't been because like the whole kava thing like the drinks are really strong and eh. like i'm scared of like the effects of kava because apparently it can like get you a little woo um so i'm not even gonna go there i'm a baby when it comes to things like that but we have kava like a kava bar and we have the kombucha brewery oh my god ow <laughs> and yeah so there's little things but there's no groups of people there's no groups there's no people there's no nothing i was looking on meetup today actually because i'm going to start my own meetup group and just see what happens brilliant there's no sober groups around here like i was looking like sober sobriety alcohol free alcohol free activities i looked everything there's nothing down here like what is wrong with you people get your life Have you started that group so yet, austin or is that something you're going to do it's something i'm gonna do because it costs a little bit of money and Hoarding. I was just saying, like, whenever you do it, if it was up now or whenever, please, like, um, come out with it. But it gives me a good transition here to ask you, ladies, about the role of community. How far along in your sobriety do you think you would be at the 41, 50-ish, 60-ish, I'm in the 70s? You know, we're just in, a, in our baby steps of sobriety. Mm -hmm. How far do you think you would be if you were trying to do this by yourself? I'd be back at day zero Again, like I think I said in the, in the group a picture of all my restarts and all my reset dates, how it was like two days, one day. Is it, like it, it was so much like without this community and without Reframe, like the 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 divine connection that I got with Reframe, like I was telling you on my episode, is just like I and I haven't had a drink since then. Like besides, well, when I was I started on the cutback track, but then I decided pretty quick. I was like, that's not going to work. But 
without community, I would be still drinking, still working at the club, still getting shit-faced on a Wednesday afternoon because I had nothing else to do. Well, and it, it bears sharing, by the way, that Austin just had surgery this past week, and she's in a robo-leg yeah. and has been in some seriously intense pain oh, yeah. and has medication and everything for it, and she is uh, managing to stay sober I can't see it, uh, but... through all that, which is heroic. I, like, I, you're Austin, you're awesome. Like, I just, I don't know how you Thank do you. it. And, um, Thank you. Anna, what about, <laughs> what about you? Tell, talk to us about, you know, support from your husband, family, reframe wherever so without the community to answer your first question i would i don't think i would have even started um i maybe i would have lasted a day or two max a week if i was trying to do this on my own and i'm i'm like 100 percent confident that that would have been the case uh, but tina was asking about my husband so when we first met was dating got married we drank a lot together uh, like I said, we worked together. So after any client meeting, we'd go out for dinner, grab drinks. Uh, but he is blessed because one day he just didn't want to. I don't know how that <gasps> happened. Yeah, he just like <laughs> I was like, what, what's going on? Like, and then that, I started drinking alone because you know he wasn't drinking anymore. And it didn't bother me that he wasn't drinking as much because I still had alcohol to be my friend. Um, but he's been super supportive and I don't blame him because he saw the hell I was going through with my mental health and he saw how how much of a drastic difference it made in my not only my mental health but like my life in general in such a short amount of time. Um, like I floss almost every day, like who am I? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he's been super supportive because he sees how much I needed it and how much I'm growing from it. Um, but like Austin and I were both saying how it's pretty lonely when we were answering a previous question. Um, but we have a community like we're living in such a, you know, it's, it's technology, mm -hmm. you know, like we're, we're from three different places right now yep. in one place, you know, having a really fun conversation about being alcohol free. Uh, but there are apps out there, not just Reframe. Reframe's the one that we use, but there are many apps out there. Um, there's AA, you know, there's there's so many resources these days uh, that unfortunately people just aren't aware of. And I think that's why the three of us are passionate about creating more awareness around this. Mm -hmm. uh, but like the app that we use, we have a forum. So you can literally just, when you feel a craving, you feel any type of emotion, to be honest, you just pop on there you're right. Like, this is how I'm feeling. This is, you know, you just kind of journal and immediately you get yes. responses, you get likes, you get, um, you get comments, you get so much encouragement from that. Um, and it's anonymous. If you don't want to use your real name, you don't have to. Mm -hmm. No picture, no nothing. Yeah, no, no, nothing. Um, which at first I was like, oh, thank God I used a fake name and everything. And now I'm like, why can't I just have everyone's phone numbers? You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that was um, me I, on Instagram too. I just started, I I think I called it, I kissed alcohol goodbye to start out with, but I didn't put any of my identifying information because I'm like, ah, maybe this is just a phase and it's going to go away. But the more I've gotten to know uh, wonderful people like the two of you. So what would you like to share with the people that are tuning in live or anybody that's, you know, what, what would you say to folks? I would say, honestly, look, Google, 
look at your resources because I had to, you know, we all had to really do it on our own looking up stuff and like, don't, don't get discouraged. Like look up AA there's uh, a recovery uh, or smart recovery. There's AA, which eh, try it though. Um, there's a uh, recovery Dharma. There's all these things that you can like do in the, the apps, like reframe is one of the best price ones, but there's Tempest. There's, there's so many apps and so many things that can help you like really go. If you are serious about this, do some research because that's what I did. I was hung over. I was actually withdrawing in my bed, shaking so bad that I couldn't. And with one eye closed, cause you always have one eye closed on the phone when you're hung over. Um, looking up what what the hell do I do to stop this madness and reframe popped up and I tried it and now look at me so just go like it's big alcohol in the rehab industry they don't want you to have these resources so they make it hard for, for harder for you to find them and it's just true it's just facts and so you have to go out on your own and try to look look for something look for those resources you can do it you know so like you can do it do it. You can do it. <laughs> you can do it. You Anna, can do Anna, it. What about you? For me, um, I'm going to be a little straightforward or very straightforward. Please do. Um, but if, if you're listening, if you stumble across this podcast, and I'm going to list out a bunch of things. And if this sounds like you, then I want you to do something about it, which is have you ever incognito mode Googled, do I have a problem with alcohol? Have you ever Googled, is this normal while you're hungover or drunk? If, if you've gone on your phone, incognito or not, and had to look up something because you were slightly concerned, then most likely your relationship with alcohol is pretty toxic. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. That's what I really want to emphasize is that I personally don't like the term alcoholic because it puts the blame on the person. Um, but it's okay that you have a problem with alcohol because it's a problematic substance, right? I'm more impressed with the, I think it, people who don't have an alcohol problem and can drink are the weird ones and we're the normal <laughs> ones who are reacting appropriately to a very addictive substance, right? So you're not alone. You might feel like you're alone because like I said, drinkers hang out with drinkers your association probably drinks at a similar level to you. So you never realize that you might have a problem because you're part of the normal group, but just do something about it. Reach out to someone who maybe, you know, someone who started an alcohol free journey, uh, Google one of these apps, maybe Google some AAs near you. And like Austin was saying, do whatever the hell works for you. Right. Austin gave a little stank face with AA, right? That AA doesn't work for Austin, yeah. right? Yeah. That's Try okay. it. Do it. But yeah. It might work for you. Like reframe yeah. works great for us. And that's what we use. But here's another thing. Like maybe in a year, reframe's not enough for me personally. Mm-hmm. I don't know yet. Right. This is going to be like, I hate the word journey. It's kind of cringe, but it is a journey, right? It's true. Yeah. And a journey means you're not walking on the same path the entire time, like the road changes. So you have to be ready to adapt to that situation. Um, But yeah, that's my main advice is it's okay. You're normal. You're okay. Like there's a lot of people going through what you went through, which was a shocker for me. I didn't realize how many people out there were gray area drinkers like me. 
And you don't, another, the last thing is you don't have to hit a rock bottom to stop drinking. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Keep, keep talking. Cause my signal okay. is, ain't great. So Austin, you're nodding. And so what else piggyback? I'm going to wait till <laughs> I have a green signal and then I'll close this out because this is great. So Anna, keep going or Austin chime in. The whole rock bottom thing. Oh yeah, yeah. continue, continue. Yeah, that, that's something I'm really, really passionate about, and I'm actually mm -hmm. um, going to go public on my personal Instagram about my alcohol-free lifestyle and that decision because I know this podcast is so amazing, but I feel like we're here talking to people who have already made the decision or who are already on a journey of fixing their or you know ending their relationship with alcohol. And because, like I said, my association are drinkers, I feel like I also have to kind of talk about it in a place where it might not be accepted. Because I wish I had someone around me that talked about, it's okay, you don't have to hit rock bottom, you don't have to get arrested, you don't have to end up in the hospital in order for you to have a problem and you know, have to quit. But here's the thing, if I didn't stop, I was on my way to hit rock bottom. Right, so I'm very grateful I stopped now. But if you're like I said, I'm saying the same thing again. But I'm gonna emphasize it. <laughs> okay. Say it again. If you think you have a problem, you probably do, and that's okay. Yeah. Yes. Period. Austin, go go ahead, we, and then we'll give Anna the last word. And I so agree with the rock bottom thing. Like you don't have to hit rock bottom in the in the uh, uh, traditional sense of the phrase. I've been arrested multiple times. I've been in the hospital multiple times. So yeah, I did hit rock bottom, and I hit rock bottom a couple times at different ages. You know what I mean? And I don't want anybody to have to do that. Like as soon as you have the inkling of is this normal? Like Googling, because I was the queen of Googling. Like, because when I got pancreatitis and I was in the hospital and I thought I was going to die, I was Googling, like, before I actually went to the hospital, like, oh, is this because of my drinking? Oh, and, you know, the doctors would always be like, your, your enzyme levels are really high. Like, are you drinking a lot? Things like that. Like, you don't want people to, because if you have to go to the doctor for some of those things, they'll know. Don't lie. You know what I mean? Just, just, if you are going through that, definitely, like, figure it out if you like it don't don't google just google a therapist or google a, a program that can help you because googling am i an alcoholic maybe you might have a problem yes so definitely that's just all i can really well build on that i I, I don't know how a better way to end than that it, anna will you say it one more time that it's okay because i think that's the key takeaway like if you think, yeah yeah if you think you have a problem with alcohol if you're questioning it if you're googling it you probably have a problem yeah. and it's totally okay it's okay you're you're allowed to be human you're allowed to be you're, you're normal for yeah. having a yeah. problem with alcohol <laughs> yes yeah, you are for sure yes you are and i i think that's something that i'm so glad you said because i don't know that anybody has said it that way and i think i needed to hear that and Tina says in the chat, she says, yes, it now seems like an obligation to speak our truth and share. Then others can know there is support and normalize that you can change. So maybe what we'll find in, uh, by the time that you ladies are the old fuddy duds 
and talking to the Gen Zs or whoever, the post millennials or whatever they're going to be called. Um, you know, when you're talking to your kids' generation, uh, then we'll, you'll be able to say, hey, I remember back when Bud Light commercials were on, you know, and White Claw Hard Seltzer or whatever was on all over the place. Yeah. And then you, you'll be living in a world where there isn't there aren't ads because i'm i'm old enough to remember cigarette vending machines and like marlboro man in the friggin magazines and stuff so i and it's it, it it takes time for culture to shift but as we see these um dry bars opening up alcohol-free bars across the country again the dry mill here in uh columbus ohio we'll give them a shout out and um wow i don't know that i can thank you ladies enough for persevering through yet another round of crap internet from my side. Like I've run <laughs> ethernet cable to my freaking machine. Like, I don't know what else I can do. This is so frustrating, but you guys were fantastic guests. People in the chat are fantastic. I've got people messaging me on Instagram. Like I'm trying to see what's going on. And I'm like, go on YouTube <laughs> instead of Instagram. I'll figure it out eventually. And when I rehearsed it earlier, it worked, but you know what? It's okay because I'm allowed to be a podcast host who doesn't have it all together and we are allowed to tying it back in at the risk of sounding cringe. Like that's just kind of how sober life goes. I, I think if anything, it's a metaphor for sober life. Like oh, yeah. I, we're in the beginning stages of this thing. We don't really know what we're doing. We just know we're going <laughs> to do it together and we're going to work, we're going to work together and just take care of each other as we go. So uh, ladies, thank you for joining us. My signal looks like it's crapping again. So um, Al and I will, before things get really crinkly and choppy, we'll say goodbye alcohol and hello life. And uh, thank you so much to Anna up in Massachusetts and Austin down in Florida. We will see you later this week for episode 12 of I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye. We'll have my first non-US guest I'm going to host Matt Gardner, who is the host of the Beyond Recovery podcast, and he's up in Edmonton, Alberta, and I cannot wait to interview him. Thank you again to all you wonderful folks in the chat uh, who viewed live, and uh, happy May, everyone, by the way, and happy Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, and I'm so glad that Anna was on here and that Austin was on here. We were talking about how we were excited to have a diverse uh, group of guests, but again, I'm rambling here. I, I much love to you both and to everyone out there. Uh, we'll catch you again soon. Take care and have a great rest of your Sunday. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Dana. Peace.